We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Hey, Steve. Hey, Moraine. Don't tell anybody, but we're in a hotel room. Shh. Together. Together. Same oh, room. God. I hope the neighbors are not going to make too much noise. Actually, listen, if they're listening to what we're doing, I think they'll be very clear that we're recording a technology whiskey podcast. Probably. Hopefully. And they'll be silent. Maybe. <laughs> yes. So here we are. We are our Back in off from the end of Comsure, Comsverse, sorry, Comsure, Comsverse. Um, you just say that because you got really cool swag from Sure that I you did, now want yes. to call it Comsure. <laughs> from Comsverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tagged on a few days of uh, whiskey distillery viewing, and we'll have some news about those yeah. a little bit further Only on. Only viewing, no tasting. Yeah. No tasting no, at no, all. No. Of course. No, because you were driving. It yeah, yeah, it would be res- irresponsible to do that. So how are we going to taste at the end of this podcast then? Um, okay, so anyway, spitting, let's move on. Spitting. Spitting, yes. Yes, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah, anyway, so it's been a, a really, truly good couple of three days. And uh, so what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to shout out some names because we got to meet some real people. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to do that. We're going to talk about some of the things we learnt. Uh, we're going to call out some suppliers, some really cool products, because there was an exhibition. We got to meet suppliers and device makers. and We got to play with stuff. We did. Yeah. So, yeah, so here we are. Um, we've got one more distillery to go, but we won't tell you about that one. And yesterday we, we, yesterday we saw two awesome distilleries, uh, saving one for another podcast. Exactly. The one with the medieval... Wheat and barley, very and unusual, and corn. And, yeah, it's a yeah. really unusual whiskey. Yes. but we'll save that one till later. Yes, yes. Good. Where do you want to start? So, give us your mark out of ten. One to ten. Uh, nine and a half. Nine and a half. Yes, because you can't give it ten because that would mean that everything would be can't be improved or can't be any cooler. But to be honest, it was that cool. So the venue, uh, amazing. So we had to walk, or we we were able to walk around the Formula One cars, the Mercedes cars. We were cruising around on the circuit. We did with yes. a reasonably priced V8 AMG car, six point four liter. Uh, yeah. V8. Yeah. Three hundred plus brake horsepower. Exactly. That was fun. Do you know there's a direct relationship between the amount of brake horsepower and horsepower in a car and the adrenaline you feel when you get out? Yes, I can relate to that. Yeah. So yes, we was at Mercedes World um, where the team from Converse, Mark, Martin, Randy and Philippa decided that's going to be their venue of choice. And, uh, and they're aiming for a 22 date around June next year. Yeah. So yeah, I'm... I'm Definitely going. Yeah, if, if I'm not success. speaking, I'm I'm going. Yeah. What was really cool was that this was a conference that was focused over the last three or four years. There's been a sort of feel to have conferences that are generalized 
and not focus. So ever since SharePoint disappeared and it became Ignite, you end up with such a variety of subjects. But one of the really nice things about Converse, it was about MS Teams. And everybody has got MS Teams questions. Everybody, including us. Exactly. And, and the, it, it was cool to see because everybody's using Teams for the last 18 months. But it was cool to see both from suppliers and from speakers and from attendees that there's still so much room for improvement and so many scenarios that teams might get used better in the future. Yeah. So no. that was that was really cool to, to see that. So we both spoke at the conference. Uh, we did. Uh, you spoke about uh, etiquette in teams. Oh, no, that's yeah, an old well, one. Well, it's, it, it's kind of a thing around etiquette in teams because what I spoke about was about uh, Teams meetings. And there are different ways to have a Teams meeting. You can have a channel meeting, you can invite people from Outlook, you can have a webinar, you can have a live event. And I was um, adding that to, to the Mocha framework that we talked about earlier as well in, in other uh, uh, episodes. And, and actually, just before we go any further, it was really cool because we bumped into We bumped people. into Bettina Simeonova from Microsoft who got us in touch with Rishi Nikolai, who is the original creator of the Mocha framework. And a little birdie told us that uh, they're working on a revised version of that. They are. So, and so yeah, small world being it is, Bettina was actually in the same team as Rishi. So as soon as we mentioned it, yeah, she was online. Yeah. And, uh, and he went to listen to our podcast about Mocha. Exactly. Cool. No, so cool. Yeah, cool. Cool. so uh, yeah, well, if you look at the, the Mocha framework, which is all about um, working together with teams with well, in your organization with different teams with different communities, and by yourself. Um, so there are types of meetings to be had like a town hall, like a one on one with your boss, like a, a daily scrum stand up meeting. So my session was all about, okay, how can you use teams to facilitate the best type of meeting for those scenarios. Cool. And in, in many ways, mine supported that a little bit because what I was, was really wanting to get across both, uh, was about the fact that MS Teams, of course, is not just something you can turn on and let go. There's a, a certain amount of governance around it. Well, I think uh, there are 15 policy sections that all need to be adjusted if you're going to do it well. And so my baseline was uh, around meetings as well, especially with this hybrid way of working, which yes. nobody is yet to define. Um, and, and the fact that hybrid is not really a technology, it really is about understanding uh, what those meetings are going to be used for and what conditions those meetings need. So as an example, if I have a meeting where we're all looking at something on the screen, wherever I take that meeting from, I need to be able to make sure that I can actively partake in that meeting. Yeah. And there are some meetings, for example, you can't just actively partake in if you're sitting in the departure lounge at the airport. Exactly. Um, and so companies need to organize and profile their meetings. And so then depending upon the profile of that meeting and what the objectives are of it are, then they can decide whether it's a live event and what type of meeting it is, whether it's a channel meeting because everybody's in the same channel, whether it's a cross-channel meeting. Uh, and then there's a few extra things that need to be done in terms of sharing the results, whether you need to be able to have transcripts because in channel meetings, you can't have transcripts. We learned from the conference. Apparently, yeah, that was one of my learnings. Yeah. yeah. 
so so yeah it was it was good um and uh, i don't think there were some sessions on uh, adoption of teams of course we've had mm-hmm. sharepoint adoption for years and office 365 adoption um but uh, it's almost as if those 150 million users that are logging into <laughs> ms teams every month are doing it wrong they're all doing it wrong and we're here to teach them how to do it right yeah the reality is that everybody's doing it kind of right but it needs some formality around it to get the best value from the product so Exactly. Yeah. True. 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 Neat's neat. And so, of course, yeah, dealing with all the the, the changes. Yes. Uh, so that was also one session that I unfortunately couldn't make because it was uh, on the same time when I was giving mine, uh, which was how to keep your organization up to date with um, yeah the ever changing landscape in Office three six five. I was really bummed out that I couldn't see that session because it was from. A British lady, which I, of course, can't remember her name of. Um, I thought I was the damn. old one. I ah. was the old, mature one. It, it was somebody that I uh, met on uh, or connected with on LinkedIn. Um, and then we had a little chat about us both being uh, at comms first. And then we met each other. Um, and that was a lot of fun to bounce ideas uh, around, uh, but I can't remember. I'll look it up while you do some more talking. I can do that, <laughs> you can look that up. I've got some calling out to do. So I was taking pictures of uh, uh, people's badges to give them a call out on there. So Sarah Fenner, it was great to speak to you. That was actually when I were, who I was trying to find, Sarah Fenner. Yes, as the lady that wasn't there, but she was there. No, she was her. she was there, but she uh, she was doing that session around how to keep up with teams and how to keep up there with the go. changing. You thing. see, we we are aligned, really. Exactly, we just don't know it. Yes, uh, Al Hurdley, it was great to catch up with with Al from Microsoft and Yannick, of course. Uh, yes. who, we should apologize to Yannick we were going to collect you from the station where well, Moraine was but we had the chance to go and drive these Mercedes around the test track instead and as much as we love you to bits the cars won yeah priorities uh, sorry about that absolutely Tony Woodruff <laughs> from Microsoft that was really good to catch up with you uh, at, and the events of course the first event was actually at the Brooklyn's Museum Flight Museum which was Wow, that it was, was just unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, if you're in England and you want something to do, it's well worth a visit. The car museum and everything else. Alex Krauski, um, uh, one of the uh, in the exhibitions. I'm just shouting names out now. I can't remember. Who, uh, Megan Warren did a great session uh, from Computer World on uh, training and taking a really solid professional approach to training within your organisation. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. So there's a few names. I'm sure I'll come up with a few more before we finish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I also definitely want to shout out to all the other uh, speakers that were actually there because it was a hybrid event. So yes. a lot of speakers speaking from their uh, couch or their home uh, office. And, but, and um, of course, you're, you're good as well, but you weren't there. Exactly. And that was definitely the thing i realized the most while i was sitting in the bar with uh, yannick and sharon weaver and uh, aleph and bettina and we were just hanging around the hotel bar drinking some watered down whiskeys because the whiskey well, you can't make that public no that's that's the 0.5 percent that could be improved actually yes. but anyway <laughs> uh, but i was just sitting there and i was just thinking about how much i've missed being around 
other people and meeting new people and just sitting somewhere having a drink talking to people real life people so just a second you're telling me that you pissed off with meeting me i mean you've been met me for the whole last two years yeah but this is about meeting new people okay. i just love meeting new people so i shouldn't take it personally no of course not not too much anyway <laughs> <laughs> yes no it's cool we, we should stop now i think people get the idea that the fact that it was face to face really made a difference it made especially presenting the session Exactly. So I'm now, I was already looking forward to the Collab Summit in, in a few months in, in Germany, but now I'm just, now I'm just Make really it. excited to, to get there because it's going to be so awesome to yeah. do that again. And I, I was really taking it for granted, like being just at home, enjoying being at home, don't have to leave the house. But this is really what I missed, like meeting other people, seeing face to face looking them in the eye right um, it's about the fourth time you've said this now yeah but it's it's it was just great just say one that, more time just, that on, thing. just for the fifth time and then that's it go on ah <sighs> just seeing those people seeing new people all right time to move on there right. yes. <laughs> learnings learnings it learnings. was about ms teams yes. and there was a number of cool things that uh, i saw now i'm going to do you i can't remember the name of this person but i went to i'll look it at while i'm talking um uh, we, we are so well prepared. <laughs> yes, we are. But while while you do the, the looking up, oh, okay. I'll just talk about how cool it was to meet people that I haven't seen in a few years, like the Grey Headbird <laughs> people, Alan, Kevin. That was awesome to see those again, like Marco Rocca. That see seeing him uh, again, and and Bill Ayers, of course. And even we had some people from the US. So we got Sharon Weaver with her husband that I All right, enough, got enough, his name. enough. Uh, well, uh, all right, yeah, there you go. No, okay, so session, yes. real session. stuff, folks, because I bet you're going, the boys are wandering again. They're not sticking to their agenda because <laughs> we haven't got the whiteboard here in the, in the yes, hotel room. Yes, yes. So a shout out for David Kromka. Um, he did a fabulous session on how to license my users if I decide to use Microsoft phone system as Pine PBX. Mm -hmm. This guy manages a international MS Teams network and he's basically migrating his users from their old PBXs into Microsoft phone system. Wow. And he did a great session. So I'm, I'm fairly certain you get the app, you can download the slides. But he was talking about how complex the licensings are. Duh, we already it's kind of know that. Microsoft. Yeah. But he was saying that in many, many cases, of course, people don't need a phone number. Um, and that was concern that was also confirmed by the guy that did the governance of MS Teams we went to see with the software that does the governance for you. The Android versus Windows no, thing. that was about the, the sound bars. Um, but the, the, the one that did the surveys about how many MS Teams sites there are around with only one channel and all that. Oh, Michel uh, Pisarek. Yeah, yeah, so Michel Pisarek confirmed David's view that not everybody has a voice channel or a, a telephone number on their line or aren't using them and they just use them for small amounts of things. So the idea of having an E5 for everybody, where everybody gets the phone system because everybody should have this, you don't actually need it. So you exactly. can do E3 plus security is more than enough, and then you can just bolt on phone system when they need it. For example, he was pointing out that um, where you have a team with you know two fellow phone numbers, rather than giving everybody a phone system, and have the phone numbers ring anybody's phone to be go around the loop, just to have one person answer it, and they can transfer it. As long as those user accounts are in the directory, you're good. They don't need phone system to be able to have the call transferred to it. 
So exactly. um, there's there's many thousands of euros per year, many, many thousands can be saved, tens of thousands for medium-sized organizations by understanding that licensing system. So I took away very much, it's on my now list, whenever I'm dealing with voice systems and MS Teams, licensing is something that you need to take time about because you can save money. He also identified that the, the, the voice conferencing system, you know, like you set a conference call up, mm. people can dial in, and you normally pay three quid extra for that yep. dialing yeah, stuff yeah. per month, per user per month. Um, he kind of hinted that Microsoft have released something that's due to kick into place end of September, October, that that dialing will be included in the E numbers, E3s, E5s. Really? So you could potentially, again, cancel that three euros per month. So you, mm. you and I have a, 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 a MS Teams call, then I can send a telephone number to somebody and they can dial in as part of my enterprise license. Oh, cool. So, um, again, ways to save money. Yeah. Uh, Commsverse paid for itself 10 times over for some of those people when just by picking up those facts. So, David Crumker, uh, brilliant session, really enjoyed that. What else did you go and see? Um, I, I had a, a session from, from Al Erdley around uh, labels. Right? Because, well, first I need to get something off my chest. So... <gasps> I, in this bedroom? Yes. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no, but I, I always keep on forgetting what a big uh, ecosystem that whole calling and meeting functionality is. Yeah. And uh, this was, uh, yeah, I, I really got aware of how many players and vendors and partner opportunities are there with that whole calling and meeting space. So I, I kind of didn't realize that because I'm well, just as you were coming from that SharePoint space, we're all about collaboration, we're all about document management, and then seeing like a gazillion uh, companies all having extra add-ons for your phone calling systems. Uh, yeah, th that was just cool to see. And it's a world that I know nothing about, and I really need to get more up to speed with all those things. Um, it, it so was it was funny actually. We went to one particular vendor, and uh, we decided we spend an hour in the exhibition and trying to learn something about yes. voice and stuff. So Moren went straight up to him and and said something along the lines of, "So, tell me, I know nothing about putting voice connections on MS Teams. What do I need to know?" At which point, this guy just opened his mouth, and a whole set of techno blurb came out yep. about H two O four eight specifications upon these lines, dialing into the PSDN circuits, yep. and Moraine was just <laughs> silent. And I said to the guy, "Zoning out." <laughs> Did you not get the bit where he said he didn't understand any of this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he yeah. didn't get it. No. We just happened to it the techno nerd on that stand. But I think it was so. Funny. I think so. But it, it was, it, yeah. But but that said, so I I tried to uh, make a little combination of of all the sessions that I went to to be both collaboration sessions and um, uh, calling uh, sessions. So um, I the, the one that I really liked one, one uh, was about uh, from from Al Erdley on um, uh, sensitivity labels because I really need to play with that as well. Um, I loved the one from Zoe Wilson and kind of forgot the other guy's name uh, around uh, security versus usability oh, yes. because that was a topic that we uh, that we also discussed a few times but this uh, this time we went to the uh, technology um, because they did two sessions one was about user experience one was really about 
the 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 technology behind it. His name's and, not mentioned in there, so okay. just just Zoe in there. Yeah. So that was a really good deep dive on how to secure uh, your users with groups and an Active Directory and and all those things. What, uh, what was really good point. about that session was that um, it was done in plain speak. So yes. even though you were talking about some fairly you know in, interesting areas around how you can control everything, and uh, but he actually really could explain it in a in a in a way that brought brought it down. Yeah. What was again that was a great session there because there was somebody at the back of the class that was uh, back of the room that had got a number of questions mm -hmm. and then he was trying to answer his own questions yeah. and he was trying to implicate imply that there was no answers for them. Yeah. And then L was in there as well and he went, "Oh, you need to try and do so and so." Uh, and then the guy whose session it was went, oh yeah, look, my next slide. So yeah, stealing <laughs> yeah, my thunder. <laughs> oh. It was it was interesting. It was fun, uh, and it was it was a complex subject about how to secure your yes. uh, Active Directory. Yeah. So yes, that was particularly good as well. Yeah. Neat. Um, we I was looking at soundbars. Let's hit on a few suppliers uh, a little bit because I was kind of looking at, at room systems, mm -hmm. and one of the things that I really need to get on top of. Uh, uh, as a deep dive is team rooms yes uh, and yes. that is a concept the MTR yeah, system the, the Microsoft team room whatever a nook is a nook is just a small it's just it a small me. computer that's, yeah. that's it yeah okay but anyway so yeah I need to get in, in team rooms and I also need to work out how all these devices connect together because um, you could have a, a video system that's got the room built into it some that have got that needs to have a controller that it plugs into to get the most from it yeah um but, but something has to do the processing power, of and it's either something built in in the bar that you that you buy, which has all the processing power and the hardware in it, or you need to connect it just like a webcam and a microphone connected to a computer. Yeah, and that would be then like a Nook or whatever system. Yeah, yeah no, I I fully understand that, uh, but understanding the intricacies and where the value is and uh, is what we do as consultants. So. Yeah need to deep dive that mm -hmm. um, we went to a great session on team rooms for Android and Windows let's cover that one in a minute or two but I said I wanted to do a supplier call out yep. so I'd like to uh, say hey Russell Harfum really enjoyed spending 10 or 15 minutes with you talking about the Bose video system yeah so Bose obviously we all know great create great speakers oh. and things they're not my favorite speaker in the world as an audiophile um, but I hear that a lot actually from real audiophiles that they don't like it but I I had some Bose speakers in my previous car and they were just freaking awesome. But then again, I'm not that kind of an audiophile yeah. compared to you. So, so Bose has got a little bit low uh, in the middle, uh, whereas that, that's where a lot of the detail is. So you end up having to push it we have got a Bose system. But they're really, really good at doing small speakers that make big sound. Yes. So they're, they're this, the sound bar for Bose that you get on your TV mm -hmm. usually has lots of little speakers and they're all pointing in different directions. Okay. And what Bose have done, which is I, I, it just amazed me, and you could actually watch the display, is they work out, because they've got these, this technology, where the voice is coming from. So if you've got five people in the room, it, it is able to electronically redirect the microphone to the person that's speaking. And so they had a display, and if somebody spoke in different places, it said, hey, I'm now using these microphones to pick up that person. And that basically means that the, the transmission of the message the person speaking is not covered by somebody else whispering in the corner or dropping something because um, they're focused on the sound so um, brilliant I really really liked that as a as a system it worked really well the video systems is not bad um, 
uh, they uh, they got a, a nice wide uh, 120 degree range on it, uh, but of course they don't normally deal with <coughs> with um, cameras, um, so it's not the strongest part of it. But they also have a, a great ability to say, hey, look, this is my picture-in-picture -picture space. I want to zoom in this area. So if you were kind of doing a demo of something, but and then you can switch from different two different positions, which is great. And also that just plugs in, so you can actually just plug it straight into a laptop if you wanted to. And again, you would need to put it into some kind of system. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so that was Bose. Really, really quite Definitely liked that cool. one. Yeah. The Androids and Windows session was good that we went to, even though the guy was actually in California at six a.m. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Kudos to yeah doing that. Yeah, that was cool. But I know it was good because to be honest, I I didn't have a clue that you could either have an Android or a Windows focused uh, system, um, and that there were clear distinctions because some things could be done on Android, can't be done on a Windows, and also managing all those devices. Because if you got 20 meeting rooms and you're all gonna use Android devices to do all that, how are you gonna manage all those devices from one central location? Yeah, and of course, if you have a Windows-based device, it will log instantly onto the system with single sign-on because it's Windows and it's in the ecosystem, whereas Android has a slightly different set of requirements to to be able to secure it yeah but andrew uses android andrew andrew the android uses <laughs> multiple screens so if yep. you have you know your controller screen is a touch screen and your you know surface hub is a touch screen it's not going to be a surface hub but it's a touch screen it treats them as separate screens yeah whereas the window system just treats them as an extended screen mm -hmm. and there's a difference in terms of the way they work yeah in terms of done so uh, and updating them as well. So your Windows needs to be automatically updated, but it yep. can be done by yep. your yep. Uh, update, whereas Android, as you say, needs to have a, a separate uh, Yeah, it's, it's just like your phone that is running on some kind of version of Android. And yep. how do you want to make sure that you're on the right version that still uh, connects to the chipset that is in there? And how can you make sure that it's running on a safe version and stuff like yeah, that? So that was really, really interesting to see all the intricacies that are that have to do with with managing all those devices. Yeah, it was good. Also, Once more, a... something I don't know anything. <laughs> of, so. It was a conference for not knowing stuff, wasn't it? There was a lot of stuff around that we went okay. But yeah. that's good because that's why I also love to go to conferences is to learn new stuff. Yeah, you get to find you get to know the stuff you don't know. Exactly. We're sitting exactly. at home, you don't know that. But the other thing about just to finish off on the Android stuff is that. Um, Andrews, I keep saying Andrew, Andrews, the, the Android-based yes. stuff. Microsoft MS Teams do support both of them. They're going to rename um, the uh, admin menus uh, in MS Teams to be yep. able to point to Android device or that Windows device. Yep. So it's going to become a little easier to manage. Yep. Uh, but if you're looking at uh, MS Teams rooms and systems for those rooms, then put that on your list also to uh, to think about. Yep. Cool, cool. Um, just, I guess, uh, we should mention Audio Code and Jay because we, we had Jay on the podcast a few yep. ago. So we got to shake his hand and, and see the actual toys he brought from his shed. Yep. Is is chalet. Yes. <laughs> um, but we have to we have to mention the Panacast 50 from Jabra and yes. that cute little camera webcam for the top of the laptop. Yeah, with that picture-in-picture -picture mode. Picture-in-picture yes. picture mode. Very yeah, cool. That really is superb. So the ability to kind of look at a pad while you're drawing as well as being able to look at you as a video at the same time. And for 250 quid, um, that uh, that really is a, a neat camera. I mean, the Brio, it's cheaper than the Brio that we use. 
Yeah. But the sound but is not so good. No. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was also one of my learnings is that most of these toys are super cool with all the microphones and the cameras and the whatnots built in, but they're fairly expensive. Okay, but you cannot, you, you just, I don't know, start again on that. They're not all very expensive. So first of all, that little camera for the top of the, the laptop is 250 quid. That's cheaper yeah. than the Brio. I get 4K that. 4K with yeah. designed to actually do video conferencing. Yes. But those bars, I agree, it's a thousand yeah. euros a time. A thousand euros, 1500 euros. But yeah. if that bar is sitting in a room as a proper meeting room that's used for eight hours a day and booked as part of the overall video system it's actually experience. not yeah video I, systems yeah. are five six seven k so yeah. to be able to build them themselves so yes for me to have one in my office thousand euros quids yeah. or whatever i, I guess expensive. that in a in a meeting room that occupies 15 people you probably don't want to have a 60 euro webcam and a trust microphone somewhere in Correct. the middle yeah i get that but that was my learning again i was really impressed by the breadth of systems and sizes for different size rooms they have this huddle space what the f is a huddle space but you know they have these systems designed and it's really just a, a way of saying we really haven't built it that powerful so it's only really good for small meetings so we'll call it a huddle space so you have yeah, to buy the product for the yeah use exactly that you need it because it's it's also about form factor yeah. do you want to have cameras pointing at 180 degrees when you're just sitting there with two people and you just don't need all those 25 cameras. Yeah, you can do it and you can sit in between the two cameras and then your face is all phasey in the middle where the two cameras are overlaying <laughs> with each other. But, yeah. but it was good um, to see all of that stuff. So that was pretty neat. Mm -hmm. Cool. So that was Commsverse. Um, yep. uh, learning, MS Teams, guys, some pickup points there. Um, and uh, I'm sure we're going to dig down into a lot of this stuff as we move along in the next few months and we start to learn more about this. Yes. And one of my new projects, uh, I'm just waiting for confirmation, but it's going to be around Teams Rooms. So, um, yeah. We'll it's going to be, gonna be cool. So you're going to you're gonna play with all the gadgets. Then. Shh, shh, don't put it like that. Because yeah. the reality is I'm going to get paid for playing with all the gadgets. Oh, that's even better. Mm. That's even better. Yeah, so let's see if we can make that yeah. Good. Awesome. And we did some whiskey. Yeah. We did some whiskey. Yes. So we knew we were going to go on a bit of a tour after Commsverse. All right. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, this has been a perfect boys week. We started off as a petrol head location. We then had two days, two and a half days of tech with you know, mm -hmm. tech, tech, tech talk. Yeah. And then we slotted in a day and a half of which we're just over halfway through pulling up some, dis some English distilleries. Exactly. Yeah. So we're in the southern part of England. And uh, we kind of didn't want to go. Well, the f the first idea was to do a, like a, a big tour and go down visit, the West Country. Yeah, and, visit a lot of yeah. distilleries. And then we kind of didn't. And then because all the hotels were booked up, and then just right before we wanted to leave, we kind of looked it up again, and then we found some reasonably priced uh, hotels in the rooms uh, in the in the region where we wanted to go. And we ended up in the Cotswolds. We did. Which was a region I didn't really know. Um, but I'm very happy that we went there because it was beautiful. 
So we went to Cotswolds and before we go and tell you about the whiskey, let's hear from Connor Teague, who is the marketing manager. Marketing manager. Yeah. Yeah. And we asked him a few questions about how did Cotswolds whiskey start? All right, Moraine. Commsverse was excellent, and here we are on our little whiskey tour, and we came all the way to Cotswolds. Exactly, yeah, so about an hour drive from the venue. Yep. Um, very happy to be here because this is an awesome place. We've already tried out the whiskey a few episodes ago. Yes, they're, my they're daughter. Default, well, not, not saying default, but single malt. The first might product, be the good. Yeah. Oh, signature. Yeah, signature. Yeah. signature. Yeah. Okay. And we have Connor Teague. Connor T. Yeah, so as in Teeling. Uh, well, close. So yeah, I, I, I'm in the events and marketing uh, team, so I do all our events and activations. So I luckily, get to travel lots and, and taste whiskey all around the world, which is which is good fun. That's really cool. Oh, that that. Why are we not doing that? <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, true. That's true. Yes. So we're at Cotswold Distillery. Um, I guess we're kind of in the Malvern Hills. Is that, or are we close to? Uh, we're probably about an hour or so from from Malvern. From Malvern. We're, we're in. So the Cotswolds is a, 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 an area of outstanding natural beauty, um, and it runs from. We're right in the North Cotswolds, so we're almost kind of on the border, right. um, and then it runs all the way down to Bath which is you know a couple of hours south of us so it's a it's a big area people kind of don't realize quite how big the Cotswolds actually is but and it's beautiful we've been driving around for a few yeah. hours it is beautiful awesome. all right cool so um we came here to drink the whiskey uh we we have tasted the original your first product and i know that the product range has grown and we've just had probably one of the best whiskey tours that I've been on, and I've been on a few of them. Yes, thank you, thank you, Charlotte, to give yes. us that tour. Yeah, Charlotte was it. So if you ever come here for the whiskey tour, make sure that Charlotte is leading it, uh, and, and ask her why she's here when she's Canadian Irish. That kind of doesn't make any sense, but it, it is part of the fun. But from a marketing perspective, the tour was obviously important. You built this great venue for it. Yeah, so one of the one of the earliest parts of the distillery um, when it was being built, um, Dan wasn't ever planning on um, building a shop, doing tours. Um, it was going to be purely production um, and quite small, really. Um, someone said to him, the, the first thing you've got to do is build a shop and run tours. And it's the best advice he's, he's ever been given. Um, it's something that has, you know, we get 30 to 40,000 people here every year. Um, everyone you can't come here and not kind of fall in love with the Cotswolds and kind of everything that we do is about reflecting what the Cotswolds is about this kind of uh, arable farming you know uh, beautiful surroundings and that's something we try and reflect in our products so the gin and the whiskey um, is just the best possible way we can to bring those kind of like fruity flavours through and, and kind of reflect the area that we're in so. Of course, that's absolute bull, really, isn't it? You know that if you have a visitor centre, everybody will buy at least one bottle to take home. Well, that's why we get them drunk beforehand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> get them drunk yes, on the tour yes. and uh, send them into the gift shop. That's usually, that works pretty well. Yeah, it does. Yeah, we did that. <laughs> yeah. well, we will do that shortly. Yes. Let's talk about Dan. Yep. So Dan is the founder. He had this wild idea or was it a dream? So it was, a... we call it the Barley Epiphany. So he was driving through the Cotswolds. Uh, saw an avid lover of spirits and, and, and single malt. Um, he had spent a lot of time in, in London and Paris um, for work and that's where his kind of love for spirits and, and things kind of grew. Um, and he had a, for, a farm in the Cotswolds and one day looking out over a field of barley, 
he wondered why nobody was making whiskey um, in the Cotswolds, um, and he decided to take the plunge. Um, the, the building behind us, uh, which is the distillery, um, was just an old converted uh, kind of work unit, um, and he bought it and turned it into what it is now, which is a distillery. Um, and yeah, it's just grown and grown and grown to this huge site now with you know bottling halls, warehousing, you know big visitor center. Um, yeah, all from him just wanting to. Yeah, but there is a reason for that. It's very, very good whiskey, and I'm, and you know from our podcast, we'll tell you if it's not a good whiskey. But this really is very pleasant, um, and it wasn't long ago. No, so we started in 2014. Um, it was a couple of years or so before Seven that years. that Dan will have, you know, started this dream and wanting wanting to do it. Funding. Put, he's finance based, it. isn't he? So he's finance his, his based. Background yeah. is that. So getting the money for this was, well, that was the easy bit. Yeah, well, he, he put pretty much everything he had into it, so it was good to you know get started. And now he's, we've done various kind of crowdfunding campaigns and, and have investors um, that support us, which is you know we wouldn't be able to, to run without that. So that's that's you know hugely you know a part of it. Yeah, that that also came out during the tour. Well, um, Charles was talking about um, both crowdfunding, but also grounding into the community, like. Um, giving all the the leftover barley uh, to uh, for the cows and and the, the wash the, 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 the wash yeah, exactly yeah, that would go to biofuel and things like that. So how important is that ethanol. community uh, for you guys? Hugely. I mean, we, we're we're lucky to be in an area where you know the, the farmer is literally next door. Uh, he can come down and do it. And it's it's been from the start, and it's something that we don't you know plan on stopping, and we'll continue to kind of evolve sustainability and this type of stuff is very important um, and while we're not by no means you know the, the perfect distillery in doing that you know we do what we can um, you know and, and that's you know uh, you know really important to us so. I was uh, I was in France at the Roselève is that how you pronounce Roselieu. it? Roselieu. Thank you the Roselieu distillery in France and they're actually taking the methane as well from so the full circle the the, the wash output goes to the cows the cows obviously create their output and they're now taking the methane from that and actually using it to power the distillery. So there, there's a lot of uh, it takes a lot of effort, of course. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, uh, no. They also own the barley, and yeah, it's self-contained. So is that something you guys are investing in more farm and and more? Uh, not so much farm. We'll, we'll probably continue to let the the guys who know what they're doing do, do that. So we're, we're, the local farmers will keep them producing our, our barley, um, and then Warminster will be our you know our source for floor malting everything yeah. so we're one of the only distilleries that floor malts every single piece of barley that comes through I think Springbank's the other um, and they have their own floor malting so you know one of the reasons and you know the reason why we can do it is because we're so small um, small yeah 3,000 bottles a week bottled still small in the whiskey world it's crazy <laughs> yeah it isn't it isn't because I mean I know a lot of English distilleries and I've looked and visited them but I'm not seeing them in the bars and the hotels the way you no. guys are so you no. managed so to hit that market well it's really interesting I've the last kind of five years or so while I've been working here, I've done lots of whiskey shows and stuff, and we're always the smallest brand, you know, English whiskey trying to break through, and, mm -hmm. and I'm surrounded by the, the giants of, you know, Diageo and all these, all these big guys, and it's, it's very interesting. I did a tasting last week uh, with uh, Rich from Exploring English Whiskey, 
and it was with you know Ludlow, um, it was with Mercia Whiskey, and we were by far the biggest distillery there. And it was weird to, for that that flip that in okay. the English world yeah. we're you know we're one of the leaders. We're, we've been established much longer. Um, you know we do have national distribution in the likes of Tesco, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, which others yeah. don't. Um, and still, to to in the the broader whiskey category, we're tiny. But in English whiskey, yeah. you know we're, we're right up there. So it's a yeah, it's a, a the balance that we're still trying to kind of get used to. No, that's true. Yeah. And uh, do you use any barley from Jeremy Clarkson's farm? Because he's just down the road. <laughs> we don't. We don't use anything from Jeremy. I've seen his show. I think we'll let him get the, the barley production down first before. <laughs> before no, that makes sense. Okay, we're looking around. Is that, have we passed it yet? Have we passed it yet? But anyway, that's, that's cool. So let's just talk about whiskey production in, in general. Um, we're about collaboration. We, we deal with tech a lot of the time and collaboration. Um, we understand that the way your whiskey is finalized is a joint decision by the team here. You've got kind of 30 or 40. So, so Dan, is it Daniel, isn't it? Actually, what's his full name, by the uh, way? Dan Shaw. Dan Shaw. Okay, so Dan is that kind of master blender, has the ideas, decides what to do. He comes up with a new idea, and then you guys all get to taste it? Yeah, Dan is, Dan is very much an entrepreneur. And, you know, he, he has ideas, and he wants to execute, and he wants to trial it. And, you know, uh, the team that we've got here... Um, Obviously, all of us being fairly local in-house, you know, doing things like tastings is uh, a really good way to get some, some good feedback. You know, not everyone here is experts. You know, you have people that very casually drink, some people that don't drink really ever. And then, you know, the, the other kind of side of it, which has your kind of people who have a real kind of enthusiasm in this and love tasting and will do proper notes and, you know, train their palates and this. So it's a, a good kind of sample to use. Um, and yeah, he's he's many a time been on holiday, um, tasted something uh, new, be it kind of some type of liqueur or, or, or a different gin or, or something, and bought it back and gone to Alice in R and D. I want to, I want this. I want to make this. And then Alice's job is, you know, to, to have make fun, it happen, you know, make yeah. it happen. And then yeah, we're, we're, and you know, we've had some some great successes, and we've had some things that just will never make it out of the lab. It's true, but that's you know, that's that's. What, what would be what would be one of those things that would never that, that you tried and and was so horrible. so one of the some of the things that we tried to do. I mean, we we we've, we've now actually managed to get the recipe right, but we spent a long time working on like a low alcohol drink, um, which was still had a heavy enough of a punch. It still carried flavour. It still you know had that hit, but was just much much lower in ABV. You know, and it took us a long time to get that right. Um, and we've done, in the early days, um, I think one of the biggest things for us is, is, is scaling products. So, mm -hmm. we, you know, we yes. start off doing something like a, a hedgerow gin and the amount of fruit that goes into it is, is ridiculous and it sits perfectly for, you know, uh, a year. And then after that, because it's, it's so, Drop, it's, yes, it's so fresh, all the sugar, you know, if it sits in the sun, it, you know, it can change the, the, the pigment. <laughs> uh, it's little things like that that we've had to work on um, and kind of gradually build as, as, as we have. But we, we spoke to Kill Holman about a year ago, didn't we? We spoke to, yes. can remember the guy's name? James? Somebody? Doesn't really Will matter. Kins, Will, yeah, yeah. Like but he was saying that there's never really a mistake because you create, you put some whiskey in a barrel and you try it and then you taste it and you go, no. But eventually you think, oh, if we put those two together then uh, you create something and of course you then got 250 bottles out of a barrel and of course people like us go oh that's different we'll try that and away we go yeah, so you, yeah. there's never really a mistake but of course it's all trial and error isn't it yeah definitely so what's in store for the future what are the the next plans for the next let's say three years 
So our, our priority at the moment really is just is continuing to build that base and, and have our core whiskey range. Um, so we'll be kind of completing our whiskey range, our core range um, in October. So we have at the moment our signature, um, we have our, and then our kind of our car strength range, which is Founders Choice uh, Sherry Peated Whiskey. Um, and we have one more coming out, so uh, that will kind of complete that set. Uh, and then from there, it's going to be kind of building the, the knowledge around the distillery. It's going to be, <laughs> it's, it's going to be just kind of, um, you know, when we go to whiskey shows and we go to tastings, we've always been part of, you know, part of our selection. So we've got more coming up, but it will be very soon that we will have the complete package. Um, and we'll look to really kind of establish that growth and distribution and yeah, just, just, just introduce people who come on a tour and you try our signature for the first time to people who are you know real kind of serious whiskey drinkers who want to go out there and go through our founders choice and kind of really understand this new you know the str cask and kind of and, and that so it's, it's you know it caters to everyone from our range which is okay which one is the one coming out that completes the range so okay i'll give you i'll give you a i'll give you a clue so our our flagship, our signature, is um, is seventy percent STR and then thirty percent bourbon cask. So okay. we have lots of STR, lots of bourbon cask in our range uh, as it is going into signature. And it works very well. I just need works, to yeah, tell everybody that works very yeah. well indeed. And then we have our peated sherry and um, founders choice, which is yes. the so the STR on its own, the peated cask, the sherry cask. So the last, probably one of the most traditional types of. Uh, cask that you would use is the, you know the american oak all those new casks was he piled up in the corner there nice so yeah that that's that will be i mean be with us very very soon um that would really, be really cool we, we we tasted some of the new make uh, and that's yeah. got a really strong pepper at the back end of it that in an american oak with that kind of imagine toffee Might do wonders yeah have we got any we can taste uh, we don't actually. Damn. I, I wish we did. You I wish knew we I was going to ask that question. I wish we oh, did. That's we really have, cool. we have. So we're sat in our blending room, and we have well, in one of our whiskey experience rooms, and we do blending. Some bourbon cask is used for it, yeah. but it's not the same marriage. It's slightly like a, different. Yeah, it's yeah. slightly different. I think it's slightly younger, slightly. Uh, I think it's cask strength, and so yeah, a little bit different, but. Um, uh, it's 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 a gorgeous drum. So. Wow, there's one more to come then. So, come. and Excellent. of course, there's the rye coming out as well. <laughs> the rye, yeah, that's yeah. a few years ahead. Yeah, yeah, rye. We've got a little bit of a wait for. We have a, a barrel in the warehouse which has been sitting for a while. It tastes gorgeous, um, and we have done since then a few more kind of uh, collaborations with Hooky. So Hook Norton are the local brewery. So they actually do the rye wash for us. So we don't do that in house. Yeah. Um, so it comes to us and then we'll run it through our column still. Um, to create the, the, the spirit, so. All right, cool. Will you invite us over then when you do the launch? Oh, of course. Excellent. Of course. <laughs> yes. I'm sure you'll remember. All right, that was superb. I really enjoyed it. So Connor, thank you very, very much. A last question from you, you're good? Totally good, yes. Excellent. Thanks very much. We'll, uh, yeah, we'll enjoy the taste and we're gonna tell everybody about the petered version now. Brilliant, thank you very much. For, for an English distillery, this is amazingly matured. Yes. There's not many English distilleries that I know of with this range of whiskies. Exactly. So they've got like five five different uh, five whiskies. Five core products. Yeah. Four, four core products because as, as uh, Connor's just told us, 
the fifth one is due to be hit. Yes. So that would give them a full set. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, what are we going to taste? Yes. So we are going to taste the peated one. The peated one. Yes. The peated from those cars. barrels that they didn't want to mention. Yeah, well, we kind of figured it out where they came from. So they were talking about uh, they were getting. You you would when you do a peated whiskey, you do either peat your uh, use peat for for burning smoking your, your barley. Yeah, smoking the barley, or what you could also do is put the new make in a barrel that had peated whiskey in it. And they were getting their barrels from. Well, where would you get peated barrels from? Where would you get quarter cask peated barrels from? Exactly. So that kind of narrowed it down to a small island and one particular distillery on that small island that is very well known for those very, very, very peated uh, whiskies. What whiskey did you drink last night when we went out for dinner? That was a Lagavulin. Oh, it was a Lagavulin, yes. Yeah, it, it, was not, it wasn't Lafrague that, no, that was not trying to mention. It no. wasn't Lafrague quarter cask. No, it wasn't, okay. no. Good. All right, let's taste this whiskey. Yes. So while Moraine is pouring this, so this is a peated cask. So it's Cotswold's single malt, but it's the peated casks. Um, we've got some uh, tasting notes here. We didn't purposely taste it yesterday. So even though I have a bottle sitting at home, I promise you it's unopened. This is the first time that we've uh, actually tasted this ourselves. Um, we're actually drinking it from some new glasses that Moraine got because yeah. we know he likes his tea glasses. He found yeah. some whiskey glasses yeah. the same. So, as always, the colour is that beautiful light amber yes. colour that smoked whiskies have to have nowadays. It's yes. a kind of trait. So, if, if you're talking about we're having a peated whiskey mm. and I'm looking at the colour and I see it's super light, I'm already getting excited these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's very subtle on the nose as well. It is, it is. So we've got some tasting notes here as well. So nose would be vanilla with light charring and a touch of dried fruit and spice. I get the, I get the dried fruit, certainly. I get but the we, spice as well. We yeah. got this yesterday when we was tasting it, didn't we, from the other different varieties. Yeah. What I want to know is find out whether it's got a big kick of pepper at the end because everything we tasted yesterday. Exactly, and and that was that was one of the really cool things that we uh, that we've done uh, at the Cotswold is that we also we started with the new make spirit, and that was really cool to see. Okay, this is the product how it's coming out of our stills, and now we're gonna let you taste what we do with it in these specific barrels, how that grows. And you just took a sip and you have a Boom. big smile on your face. Boom. Okay. I'm telling you this, that is a big taste. It's got one hell of a finish. It's kind of harsh, but as that harshness dies away, the fruit on the back of the smoke is delicious. Kind of even Ooh. raspberries and blackberries just it comes in it? waves mm. oh wow mm. well i don't like i like the nose i kind of i i've not tasted the second one yet but that initial tasting was kind of too much but the finish mm -hmm. once it dies off oh it's still oh i can feel it in my chest oh that is brilliant brilliant really mm -mm -mm. Mm. So it's not as smooth as their first line product, their non-peated version. No, the non-peated was really super smooth. We had Fruity it as well smooth, in the yeah. in the hotel to test it out. Um, but this, 
The second this is better. Actually, this actually gets a lot of power from that Lafro ca uh, cask. It that gets that oomph that you get from that from from Lafroic into that um, heavily well tasted whiskey that you got here. Oh, mm. so what are they saying? Palate uh, creamy, peat, smoke layered, light fruits, tannin rich wood. Uh, yes. My problem with this is my teeth are still rattling in my jaw. <laughs> I think this needed another year in the barrel. Mm. No. This did. Yes, it did. No. It would really take the edge off it. We haven't got any water here, but I bet that makes this a lot better. Mm. For me, unfortunately, that that explosion of... Um, I'm guessing the tannins is... It's that... It's not even pepper, but that harshness is really taking something away from me. Maybe it's just today. Maybe it's just, you know, early Maybe in the morning. Maybe it's the Indian that, uh, curry yeah, we that we had night. yesterday. But this, I but the think... The nose is beautiful. I think this is brilliant. If you want to have something very peated, very smoky, mm. that is coming from England, has that Isla kick to it, I think this is a very, very, very good example. Okay, so here's my opinion, and it's not going to support Moraine's... If you really, really want a lot of petered smoke, then go for the Dague, all right? Because you've not got the subtlety of smoke that the has got. I know we very mm. rarely compare those mm -hmm. whiskies, but that is the smoke. In in my mind, and don't get me wrong, the, fish, the finish on this whiskey is beautiful. I like it a yes. lot. But when it hits your palate, to me, it's like having a really hot curry, and then it's ruined the rest of the meal. Because your tongue is sitting there going, don't put anything near me. Go away, go away. And I know that I'm going to change my mind on this. I, do I, get I know you're going to change your mind I've got a bottle at home yes. and, I, and I will kind of look at it and drop a bit of water in. Yeah. But my opinion of what we've just tasted, um, you know, it's 59.3% by volume. So yes. this is cask Scott strength. strength yeah. And I just wonder whether this is one of those whiskies that might actually be a touch better. With a few drops of water. If it's 48%. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Um, the nose is great. The finish is long. It's 30 Super seconds if more. Mm. But for me, uh, and it's not even in the palate here, creamy peat smoke layered with light fruits. Mm. I'm afraid I don't get the fruits. But just me, my friend. But you like it. I love it. Yeah. Can we can we drive back and can we get another bottle for me? Um, um. <laughs> <laughs> it's just two hours drive. Come on. You need to get Ventslow to mm. uh, uh, sit there and get the boys in to do a tasting. I think. Yeah. But beautiful. Um, they they have a number of products. I've also uh, their their heart, hearts and crafts spelt yes. H E A R T and crafts uh, one and two. Uh, but I got a bottle there too, which was finished in a, a red wine, strong red, red wine shaved cask. Yeah, so um, you've got the Sauternes cask yeah. and you have the Pinot de Charente cask. I'm glad you remember these names because yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah. them at well, all. Well, I'm, I'm kind of into wine as well, so yeah. I kind of get those. And the Pinot de Charente, which is really like a dessert wine. Well, yeah. anyway, this is the single malt whiskey. You've got a 
a kind of low number five from me. I'm sure Moraine's going to be a lot higher. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you have chance, though, please, the Cotswold Distillery, go and visit it. Not only are you in beautiful countryside, um, it really is a very professional organisation. It's the best tasting room and tasting process I've ever been in. It was yes. superb. If you, if yes. you look at the uh, Office 365 Distilled Twitter account, you'll see some pictures. Moraine walking through the door straight to the bar. Um, <laughs> with the glasses of whiskey lined yep. up he was he was on yep. his way but it was great and if you get uh, charlotte doing the tour she really does take you through the process and uh, i'm not a big gin fan at all um, but, but you, i really you love that gin no yeah. don't tell anybody no that. no no you're lying yeah yeah okay well we we can do we can start do gin tasting it's tastings. still it, it is still distilled so we could we could still use the same name office 365 distilled it's just no. something no okay no but i have to say i i thought the learning from that tasting session was excellent and it was like two hours long yes 11 30 till kind of one o'clock ish or something it was, yeah, we it was were good. there we were there quite some so time, yeah. worth a visit um your missus can sit and have a sandwich at the uh the cafe or a pizza or a pizza, got a pizza yeah. oven outside and uh yeah it was good which has been a, the whole trip has been excellent. We've learned some new technology. Mm-hmm. All right, we've learned to understand the MS Teams and voice, and we've been wanting to catch up on a lot of that yeah. for a long time. We've seen some great products. Um, we understand some of the way this Teams room stuff is working in terms of the devices. Our sessions went really well, mm-hmm. which is good news. Um, and the whole we weren't booed out of the state. Yeah, stage. we weren't kicked yeah, out. Yeah, that's good. And the team of Mark, Martin, Randy and Philippa have got a fabulous event here. Yes. And it was a real privilege, sir, to be part of your first event after such a trial of the last 18 months make it happen. Mm-hmm. So thank you for that. And for those of you that didn't turn up to Commsverse, shame on you. You missed a great event. Laura! Laura Brown! Oh. <laughs> yeah, she ha- no, she has to do work. In- oh, I, get- I get it. I get it. Work you know, comes first. But Laura still- will never listen to our podcast ever again now. No. Oh, she will. I know she will. But that's fine. Good. All right. Well, that's it then, I think. Yep. So, uh, off to another distillery. Yeah. Let's go to the Copper Rivet. Look it up. See you guys later. Ciao. Millennials, we are matured. Steve, maybe more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.